Faith and Reason Podcasts, new media for the new evangelization from Franciscan University of Steubenville. Find more at faithandreason.com. Let me tell you exactly what we're going to do. First, we're going to take up a collection. <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. We're going to, sh- uh, Hannah Castri put together a beautiful five-minute film of the last three years of the missionaries uh, from Franciscan and how some of the things they've done. Of course, five minutes, you're not going to see it. But it's quite lovely. Then actually, I'm not going to talk about Magadam. I'm going to talk about my passion. I'm going to talk about mission and what mission really is. And I'm, I, I want to I ask you and challenge you to ask yourself this one question. What am I living for? That's the question. What am I living for? It's kind of like Freddie uh, of Queen. What is his name? Freddie? Uh, Mercury. Mercury. Yeah, Mercury. Freddie Mercury. What am I living? What are we living for? What am I living for? That's the, that's the question. And that's the question I'm going to address to you. So I'm not going to talk about Magadan Mission. I have some questions afterwards, after two or three hours. We'll have some time for questions. <laughs> but I want you to be challenged as Christians baptized. Everybody's in mission. Every single person is in mission. Everybody's answering that question. What am I living for? And that answer is your mission. So I'm going to use the gospel. It's very good. We believe, you know, that we get the gospel in our hearts, stuff it down there, and then um, challenge you. Is that okay? Should we go there? It's much better. I mean, I could tell you lots of stories of Magadan, and we can do that some other time. But today, I want to challenge you. First, I want to pray the prayer that has been in my heart for 37 years as a priest, the abandonment prayer of Blessed Charles de Foucault, which is, I pray this with joy and with fear every time I pray it, because it's so demanding. If you know this prayer, it is an amazing prayer. If, we, if I could live this prayer one day, I would be very happy. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father, I abandon myself into your hands. Do with me what you will. Whatever you may do, I thank you. I'm ready for all. I accept all. Let only your will be done in me and in all your creatures. I wish no more than this, O Lord. Into your hands I commend my soul. I offer it to you with all the love of my heart, for I love you, Lord. So need to give myself, to surrender myself into your hands without reserve, with boundless confidence, for you are my Father. Let's do a a scripture reading from John's Gospel. Uh, The 17th chapter is the prayer of Jesus. We often said the Lord's Prayer is really not the Lord's Prayer. That's the disciples' prayer. Jesus' prayer is the 17th chapter. He is showing us his heart. The 17th chapter is the priestly prayer of Jesus, right? And he has three things he's praying for us. He's praying for glory, that God's glory fills our life. And you know the Hebrew word for glory is weight. So the weight of God comes into my life. I've changed. There's nothing that his agenda be, is not. I don't fit into my life. I fit into his life. Then he prays for holiness. Just make sure I'm on the right campus. Would anybody raise their hands who want the gift of holiness? Let's see. Okay. Pretty much everybody. He prays for holiness to separate us apart from the world. What 
in the world, but not of the world. Lastly, he prays for mission. And that's where we're going to read that section of John's Gospel, the 17th chapter, the verse 13 to 21. I'll do it in English. <laughs> but I am now coming to thee. These things I speak in the world, that they may be my joy, fulfill, uh, joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even I am not of the world. I do not pray that thou shouldst take them out of the world. This is not my Bible, by the way. I found this, as, uh, I found this in the center somewhere. <laughs> Should take them out of the world. Thou keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even them not of the world. Sanctify them, send them into the world, so that I send them into the world. For their sake I consecrate myself, that they be consecrated. I do not pray for these only, but those who believe in me in Franciscan University 2017 through the word, that they may be one in me as I in you. Let me do another little translation in English. Jesus' prayer is at the very end of his life. He's dying. It's his last words. He has a passion. And he says, as you send me, Father, into the world, I'm sending them into the world. So you heard the word send. That's really what mission is, huh? Missio. It's Latin, which means sentness. The question is, who has a mission? Please raise your hand if you think you have a mission. You see, you already got the answer to the question. Everyone has a mission. Because you answer the question, what am I living for? What are you living for? So Jesus is very simple. He's saying, I have fullness of life because I'm a man in mission. He came from heaven in mission. He gave up his glory. He comes to the earth to share his glory. He becomes poor so that we become rich. His mission, I want to have the fullness of life and the fullness of joy. I'm going to make them a people in mission. Mission is the very essence of our Christian baptism, our Christian life. In fact, it's the very essence of life. No person in this world is without mission. No one. Everyone is mission. So I ask, you know, I ask somebody, are you in mission? He says, no, no, that was last year. I was in Ireland. He says, no, <laughs> oops. I didn't say where you did your mission. Now, we do our mission in various places, in the university, in our parish, in our home in our city, in Magadan, Russia. We do our mission in various ways. God calls us in mission to go to the mission. Missions, huh? Or go to a mission. The need for mission is incredible. What does it mean to be on mission? It's fairly simple. So you're on mission when your comfort, your position, your safety comes second to the cause. When there is someone or something more important than your happiness, your needs, and your freedom. You risk all things for the cause. Your sacrifice is necessary. All those things you give up for the mission. Your life you give up for the mission. The mission is bigger than your life. And I want to talk about that.
See, there was a difference in my parents' generation, my grandfather's generation. There's a cultural consensus now. Back then, we knew who we were. The mission for my grandparent was duty. Duty to country, duty to family, duty to church, duty to faith. He knew. He was second before the, after the duty. Huh? There's a cultural consensus in your generation. And it's a very different. Now, I'm talking about the generation that you couldn't put your phone in your pocket. You know, there was a time when that was real. You had to, like, the phone was on a table. <laughs> I, maybe, I just, you know, and there was this thing called a letter. <laughs> and it's a piece of paper you write on. And you fold it and you put it in what's called an envelope. And then you put a stamp on it. And you know what? You don't put enter. You go to the post office. <laughs> Do you realize that? Now, you can read this in the history books. <laughs> That's the generation I'm talking about. Your cultural consensus, that which is out there in the New York Times, the New York and the po Washington Post, most college campuses except Franciscan, most liberal colleges, most professors, most journalists will say this. The cultural consensus is find your dream, fulfill your life, it's about me. Right? That's the cultural consensus. Find your freedom, and then you'll find who you are, and then you'll find fulfillment, right? Now, uh, there's some truth in this, of course, but, but that's, the, that's the drive. So who's first? You are. And this culture, so, so sociologists tell us there's a pervasive emptiness in this culture. We've lost our joy in this culture. We have small lives in this culture. We've lost our freedoms. Why? Because when your needs are most significant in your life, it will sometimes dawn on you slowly that your life will make no difference in this world. And that's a pretty lonely place. When you think your life is most important and you live for your life only, then it will dawn on you someday, you'll look around and say, I don't make any difference. And that's why mission, without mission, there's no fullness of life and there's certainly no joy. We need mission, brothers and sisters. Christian mission now we're talking about. Right? We're not just talking mission, I want to make a lot of money. That's a mission. I want to work in Wall Street. That's a mission. Do you know the, you know the highest rate of suicide in today's world? Do you know where it is? Successful Wall Street brokers from the age of 25 to 35, that's the highest suicide rate. They've made their mission, and it's empty. <coughs> Freddie Mercury said... And if Freddie Mercury says it, you've got to believe it. <laughs> it's the most lonely place on earth when you have all the money and no friends. You know the lowest suicide rate? Missionaries who go to Magadan. <laughs> no, that's not the case. The lowest suicide rate are black grandmothers who take care of their grandchildren. Isn't that amazing? Broken inner city ghettos, grandma's is happy. I got my kids. 
Huh? Because what is she giving herself away? Always giving herself away. Always. She is first. Mission takes you from mentality for me to mentality, how can I spend my life? That's what mission does. From the me mentality to the the mentality, as I read in the Bible. The purpose of mission is so very important. So what's the purpose of mission? Without a goal, without a purpose, you have no mission, huh? I want to make $10,000, $10 million by the time I'm 33. That's a mission. And then I'll commit suicide because I won't find what I'm looking for. No mission without purpose. What's the purpose? Christians are supposed to feed people, right? Right? Corporal, spiritual works of mercy. Do you know them by heart? No. <laughs> Christians are supposed to feed people. Christians are supposed to work for healing, right? Christians are supposed to pray for people, right? Christians are supposed to preach, right? Not just priests. Christians are supposed to go tell people to repent from their sins. Repent from your sins. That's what I'm supposed to do. Christians are supposed to do all that, that Jesus did. So what do you think the mission is? Here it is. This is so cool. Our mission is actually convincing the world of Jesus' mission. Cool, huh? You thought it was going to be really interesting that I had something to do. You have nothing to do but to convince the world that Jesus had something to do. And his mission is your mission. So your mission is convincing the world of Jesus' mission. Look at verse 21. Verse says that the world may believe that you sent me. So we're saying to the world, listen, I got a friend in Jesus, and I want, you to, meet, I want to meet him because he's going to fill your life with joy and fillness, and you, can, you, you won't believe what you're going to find in our relationship with Christ. So my mission is to be in mission with Jesus and to share his mission. When you're doing something with deed and word, you also are doing something with, with your hands and feet. So sharing is not just words. Jesus saves, and I'm not going to feed you. So what we need is Christians with soft hearts and hard feet. So soft-hearted Christians, compassion, and a hard, hard feet. I'm going to go anywhere you want me to go. Hard-feeted hard Christians will just go anywhere. They'll even go into their own home and talk to the brothers and sisters. <laughs> They'll even do that. We don't need Christians with hard hearts and soft feet. Hearts that are, hearts that are barriers to any kind of compassion and soft feet, I will just watch the mass on TV. No. <coughs> Soft hearts and hard feet will convert the world. That's the mission. Your mission is the mission of Jesus. Now I'm going to tell you a story, and I want a few people to cry, if you would, because it always helps me <laughs> if you really get emotionally about this, because it's going to be a very emotional story. So in the front row, I'd like you to cry. <laughs> And I would like you to cry because men can cry as well. Okay, okay. Those are the two people in that area. You're, you're all. You're all. I don't see anybody here that could cry. Okay, Joe, you'll cry. Okay. I have a a spiritual daughter. Her name is Alita. 
she came to the church when she was five years old. Now, Alita, now, I see the women here are so beautiful. You are beautiful women. You have a genius that God gave you, and you really have to live this genius. You know that. You know you are beautiful in Christ. You are beautiful in my eyes, too. You're beautiful. And so Alita comes. She's five years old, and she is as cute as a doorknob. Is a doorknob cute? <laughs> and she comes, and she comes with her high heels and purse, and she's five years old. And she sits in the back pew by herself. It's 30 below zero. She walks from her house. She comes to the church. She sits in the back pew. And she's looking. Now, she has no idea of who God is. She has no idea of churches. She has no idea. She's a new face. And new faces, you talk to them, but you allow them to come in. So each week, she's sitting in the pew. She's moving a little closer to the altar. And the next week, a little closer to the altar. So she's getting injured. Now, she's intensely watching the Eucharist. Intensely. One Sunday, when people come up and they don't have faith or they don't have baptized, or they're, 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 I bless them. You come to communion, I bless them because I have Jesus right here. I bless them. They get a spiritual communion, right? We have spiritual communion. We do that with people who are divorced and, and, and remarried. They can have spiritual communion. So we bless them. Alita comes to me one Sunday. I bless her. She doesn't leave. I said, Alita, you have to leave. Bless her. Alita, you have to leave. I bless her, a five years old. Lita, you have to leave. She leaves. After Mass, I knew I was going to get balled out by a five-year-old. And that's a terrible thing to happen. So she's, she comes to me. She's been in the parish for three months without a faith background. She has no sense of what the liturgy is. And you know what she says to me? Finger in the ear, of course. Hip, hand on the hip. Father Michael, why didn't you give me Jesus? I wanted Jesus. Why didn't you give me Jesus? At that moment, I was like Zachariah. The scales came off my eyes. And I saw the world before me saying to the church, why aren't you giving us Jesus? I saw the call of my priesthood, the definition of why I became a priest. Why don't we give the world Jesus? And those words have formed me in a way that I've never been formed. And my passion for mission, my passion to share the mission of Christ just became inflamed by Alita. And by the way, she got Jesus pretty quick. <laughs> And now she's discerning her vocation for religious life, living as a novice in a, the only Russian sisterhood that we have in Russia, in the servants of the Eucharist, because she loves the Eucharist. So she's looking at Jesus all the time now. Our mission is to actually convince the world of Jesus' mission. Huh? Secularity says, look at this world. It is so screwed up. Oh, it's not too, it's kind of nice here. <laughs> but there's brokenness and envy and hatred and war and people who don't like Trump and people who don't like Obama and there's Hillary Clinton and there's all kinds of people like that. And there's hatred and, and there's riots and there's protests and there's ugliness and people getting their head chopped off and they're hating Christians. And, and secularly says, probably it's from childhood scars, because that's the only thing I can say. We say it's sin. 
We say, that's the problem with the world. It's much, you can't say it's childhood scars or you're not loving somebody well or you don't have a, bet, a, 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 a education, a good ed, it's, it is something so much deeper. It is the wound of the human heart that can only be touched by divinity because it's divinity the human heart rejected. The only healing will come through a divine intervention. And by the way it came, he is in mission when he left heaven. When he said to the Father, I'm going to go to the world, I'm going to save them. And the Father says, why don't you just save the worthy ones? He says, well, I'm not going to be going anywhere then. Everybody needs him. There is no one that is left out of his mercy. There is no one left out of his compassion. The disease that, is, that we have in our world is not a physical brokenness only, but a spiritual brokenness that can only be healed and restored by a divine intervention. Now, you know all this. Missions isn't something you do in your spare time. I'll do a mission in Ireland for two weeks and come back. No. It's not a section of your schedule. It's not a committee. I'll have a missionary committee. It's what he is about. Did Jesus restrict his life? Say, okay, I'm mission today, tomorrow I'm taken off. He was always in mission. Connecting, healing, praying. Praying is mission, huh? So I thank those who pray for our mission in Magadan. Is anybody here praying for the mission in Magadan? Raise your hand. Okay, that's it. Five stars. Some years out of purgatory, I hope, too. Thank you. But praying is mission. Your prayers make the stepladders for us in the mission. We can walk with your prayer. We can talk better with your prayer. We can preach better with your prayer. Prayer is absolutely essential to mission. So let me just tell you, it's what you're about. It's answering the question today, and I want you to do a little bit of an examine of your life. I want you to ask the question today, after our talk, meditate it, pray about it. What am I living for? Okay? Who am I living for? Why am I doing what I'm doing? That's a good question, huh? Why am I doing what I'm doing? You see, there's a biblical account. It's a, uh, well, it's actually not in the Bible. How could it be biblical if it's not the Bible? Well, it's kind of a legend. See, Jesus was taking his disciples for a walk. And he said to everybody, okay, everybody, pick up a rock. St. Peter, smart guy, long walk, small rock. <laughs> pick up a small rock, put it in his pocket, and they're walking around. Jesus says, Okay, disciples, break for lunch. Take out your rocks. And he takes the rocks, blesses, breaks. He doesn't break them. He just blesses them. And the rocks turn into lunch. <laughs> One small roll is all Peter had. The rest of John, the beloved, salami sandwich. <laughs> yeah, French fries. 
Diet Coke. <laughs> Big lunch, Peter, small lunch. Peter's very hungry. Jesus says, okay, pick up a rock. Duh. Picks up this boulder, Peter. Tears this boulder all the day, sweating terribly. And Jesus says, at the end of the day, throw your rocks in the river. Wait a minute. So he throws the rocks in the Now, Jesus, I don't get this. And Jesus says, Peter, who are you carrying your rock for? Yourself or me? Why are you here in, in, in Franciscan? Who are you carrying your rock for? Yourself or for the Lord? What are you doing with your life? Where's your mission? Got it? So when your mission is when you turn to the other person, and we talk about friendship evangelization, you open your mouth, but you also open your heart. And you begin to care. And when you begin to care, your heart gets broken. You can either lock your heart up into a box, turn the key, and you'll be a person content but cold. You can put your heart outside. You'll be a person that has brokenness but very warm. It's your choice. Love wounds. There's no love that doesn't wound because I know I've seen it in his hands. And I've seen it in his, in his side. Love wounds. True love sacrifices. I've seen it in his death. You begin to care, you begin to listen, and you hear the other person's life. You don't speak much, you listen more. My father always said to me, Michael, you have one mouth and two ears. That means you have to listen twice as much. I'm still not good at that. You become vulnerable. Friendship evaluations, for those who are going on the mission, take this down, this will be an examine later. You open your heart, you care, you listen, and you make yourself vulnerable. That's where you start preaching the gospel. You don't say a thing yet. You become available. You're willing to talk then when their heart is open and when they felt listened to. When their life feels like you have listened and are, they are, you are vulnerable to their pain. When you're vulnerable to their truth. When I first came to Russia, it was in 1994, and uh, I, I was living in a very small apartment. It was a broken little apartment. It was a horrible. I had, uh, what are those things that will live after a nuclear war? Uh, terracotti, terracotti in English. Cockroaches. cockroaches. Do you know Russian? Terracotti? No, you just know cockroaches. Yeah. How'd... Arizona. Lots of... Oh, yeah. Arizona have a lot of cockroaches. <laughs> There's a lot of songs about cockroaches, too, aren't there? Yeah. But I had a lot of cockroaches in my apartment. 
And uh, I tried to vacuum and I tried to, but the real problem was my faucet, it dripped. Have you ever tried to sleep with a dripping faucet? <laughs> drip, drip, drip. Now, at first you don't notice it, then you focus on it, <laughs> and it's 11 o'clock at night, and you're hearing it drip, and then it's at 12 o'clock at night, and you can't go to sleep. It's 3 o'clock in the morning, and now it's going drip, 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 right? And you didn't sleep all night, and you're cursing the faucet. I've never cursed a faucet, but I curse the faucet. Then I ask forgiveness from the faucet. And the next morning I said, can I fix this faucet? Because in an American, you're supposed to fix things. We're Americans, we are fixers. We fix everything. We fix the world, we fix everybody, we fix ourselves, we fix faucets. That's my agenda. <laughs> now the problem is there is no home health or home depot in Magadan. There are no faucet fixing places in Magadan. So I have to create my own washers. So I take my old tennis shoes, and cut out a washer and put it in my faucet. And what happens? It drips. <laughs> I cannot fix my faucet. Three days, four days, one week. I am an American. I will fix this faucet. <laughs> my brothers and sisters, in all humility, I didn't fix my faucet. But God said to me, as I set before my faucet, forgiving my faucet, <laughs> before it's in perfection, I said, Jesus said to me, Michael, you don't have to fix Russia. You have to suffer with Russia. Don't try to fix these people. Suffer with them. Don't, don't try to fix yourself. Let me suffer with you. And I knew the gospel in a whole other reality. So sharing the mission of Jesus is not fixing people. It's letting Jesus into their life so that he can give them fullness of life, so that he can give them joy. You're just there a leaky faucet. That's all you are. Imperfect, broken, without really the best words, or the clearest presentation of the gospel, because your life and my life, we walk with a limp and just a leaky faucet. But oh, do we have the good news. There is somebody that does fix faucets. Maybe not in this life, but in the next, we'll all be, we won't be drips. You're drips now. Now, and I say that with all my love in my heart, you're just a bunch of drips. <laughs> That's all I always say that with compassion. Heart, care, listen, vulnerable, speak his words. Oh, and that's frightening. Oh, that's frightening. You're going to be laughed at. You're going to be shunned. You're going to be ignored. People may listen, maybe they're not. Have you done that little evangelization where you kind of got slapped on the side of the face? Or you, or you get, oh, yeah, right. Tell me another fantasy story. He's risen, right. So is my grandmother. So, 
What you're saying is it's costing you. That's what mission costs you. It costs you reputation. It costs you financially. It costs you your ego because you're going to fail. Every single person who's come to Magadan has been an absolute failure. <coughs> Some of them worse than others. I'm hoping this group will be a little better, actually, from last year. They couldn't even plant potatoes last year. <laughs> now, I'm not going to complain because they made their own money and they came over on their own money, but they didn't plant potatoes very well. Now, I'm not complaining. I'm not going to point fingers. <laughs> I'm not going to say who didn't plant the potatoes well. Where's Joshua? <laughs> We're hoping this year this crop will be a little better planting potatoes. It's going to cost you your freedom. It's going to cost you your freedom. It's not, you don't have your own time. It's going to cost your health. You're going to spend yourself. It's going to cost your happiness, what you think happiness is. It's going to cost your comfort because you're going to serve people and not yourself. It means the kingdom will come through you. Class, huh? Your life is bigger. The mission is bigger than your life. When your mission is smaller than your life, you get suffocated. When your mission is bigger than your life, you save the world. Now, who doesn't want to save the world? Okay, who wants to save the world? Let's get hands up there. High up there, be enthusiastic, do the Magadan shuffle. <laughs> I want to save the world. What world? The world I'm in right now. Not somewhere else. The world that needs saving in your life that surrounds you. The people that are broken that surround you. The people that are lost that surround you. This is the world you want to save. And when that happens, you become big. Your life becomes bigger. We are suffocating from small lives in our culture. Me, me, me? Do you know the last, the last book, the last letter in the Russian alphabet is Ya. You know what that is? I. The last letter of the Russian alphabet is Ya. I. That's exactly who you are in your mission. Uh, you're being an agent of change. Who doesn't want to change the world? You, you talk to little kids. You say, what do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, I want to push paper in an accounting firm. <laughs> I want to work at a Xerox copier. No, I want to be a fireman. I want to be a policeman. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a priest. I want to do something with my life. The kids do. You know, five-year-old kids do that, huh? Nobody says, I want to be accountant. Now, they're okay. I'm saying if you're in the position of living to be accountant, I want to say accountant's okay. Okay? It's a good profession. Oh, I want to be accountant. You want to be accountant? Okay. <laughs> we need accountants, holy accountants, that don't cheat. That's what you especially so they're okay. But I'm telling you, from the human heart, from the very beginning of our life, we say, I want to do something big with my life. And the kingdom is pretty big. That's what we should be doing without it. Something so big that it's bigger, that it just stretches us. We can't do it without him. You know? That's what Jesus wants. We want a big life. 
and we're suffocating with small lives. There's a, uh, the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory, the MMPI. Have you taken that? You really need to take that if you're going to get a job because it tells you if you're crazy or not. <laughs> I've taken a number of times. So far, I've passed. So Multiphasic Personality Inventory, MMPI. And there's kind of, dis it says, it talks about personality disorders. And there's a true-false question. It goes like this. True false. I am a secret agent of God. I would answer true. <laughs> chick chick. <laughs> All the time. Hello, God. <laughs> yeah. Okay. See you a little later. Uh -huh. Check me out. Yeah, okay. Secret agent of God. That's the world needs more secret agents. Moses believed in God. Do you know what God does to people who want to be in mission? He says, come, 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 come. go. Come, 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 go. That's what he says, huh? Moses, he's in, intrigued by the burning bush. A bush there in the, in the desert of Israel is a bush that should be burnt up like that. Have you ever done that at a campfire and, you, and the campfire goes beyond the campfire and you start burning bushes around the campfire? <laughs> now, I just heard about that. I've never done it myself, but I know exactly how it looks <laughs> because it goes <sighs> fire everywhere. This, this bush is not being consumed and he wants to get closer and he hears his voice. Take off your sandals. This is holy ground. He takes off his sandals. And he gets closer. And God says, come. Come. And he gets closer. He says, go. Go to Pharaoh. Go to Pharaoh now and save your people. So the God of mission calls us to ourselves. Come. Come. Come, and we give there, he says, go, go, go. He calls us in to send us out. Abraham, huh? Remember Abraham, father of faith? Three faiths. Okay, I want you to leave. I want you to leave your country, your people, your household to a land that I'm not going to tell you where it is right now, but I have a GPS I'll give you. <laughs> and I'm going to bless you and your people, and I'm going to bless you. Abraham said, great, okay, now go. But I don't know where I'm going. I know, but I know. The God of mission pulls us in to send us out. Do you know what, you know what he does? He blesses us so that we become a blessing. You don't ever receive a blessing for yourself. If you're blessed, and you, every one of you are blessed here, you're not blessed for yourself. He never blesses unless we're to become a blessing. So if you don't have a lot of blessings, ask him. But you're going to then have to, it's going to cost you. You're going to have to bless a lot of people. Calls you in to send you out, blesses you, so become a blessing. Abraham, I will bless you and I'll make you a blessing, Jesus, the, the God Yahweh says. I will bless you and make you a blessing. Isn't that amazing? So that's, I'm, I, I, I was, now get out. 
Now get out. Get out of your comfort zone. Get out of your safe zone. He says, get out of your country. Your values are the country. I want you to have different values. We have to get out. This country, different values. I want to get out of your people. I want you to see who believes and not believes. I want you to be a witness. Your household. Now that means here very specific, huh? I mean, Abraham knew that you're going to have households in Franciscan University. He says, get out of your household. No, I just got in. <laughs> I think it was this, is keep your household really alive. Don't get just like, uh, I can't even think of the English word. Complacent? Okay, complacent, lacking. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. Okay, that's what I mean. Would you stand up and say that a little louder so everybody has it? Talk about your household now. Oh, my household is spirit and truth, and it's complacent. <laughs> okay, Actually, it's yes, lacking. We need more intense. We only have five people, and it's there it is. Die. A complacent household. <laughs> we have to do something with this household. It's complacent. Get out of your household. <laughs> which means get into your household. Because see, Abraham knew that you can have households here. True or false? True. I will bless you and I'll make you a blessing. Now get out. Isn't that amazing? We can't sit. We can't be complacent. We can't sit on our faith as if it's something that's not living. It's living faith. The only way we're going to get out is to realize, and this will melt your heart. If you let this, this will melt your heart. To realize Jesus got out. All you need to know is Jesus got out of his comfort zone. That he got out of his security. He sacrificed his heavenly home for earthly hell for you and me. Jesus got out of his fa father's love and was felt abandoned by that on the cross so that we could be in the father's love and receive it completely in our hearts. Jesus got out of his life itself. We can get out of our lives because our life is in him. Only when you see him rescuing you will you be able to say, I risk myself to rescue others because I've been rescued. You see? If you have not been rescued, you're not going to rescue. If you're, if you're not sinner, saint, sufferer, then you're not going to say anything to anybody. You're just a saint. And we don't need more saints that are not sinners and sufferers. When you know your sin and you know your suffering and you know your sanctity, then you have something to say to somebody. You will get out and you'll be a rescuer. I don't know if you remember the plane that went down in the Washington, D.C. in the Potomac, I think it was in the 90s. And it went, it, not like the plane in New York that was landed and everybody was safe. These people were in the waters, it was cold. And there was this, young, there was this man 
and uh, the, the rescues are very quick, but I mean, it's cold water, so you, within five minutes you, you lose uh, all feelings and people were drowning. So this man was swimming, and a helicopter came and they were letting out the line, and this man was swimming to this person, hooking up the line, and then this man was swimming to this person, hooking up the line, and this man was swimming to this person, hooking up the line, and then he disappeared. He drowned. But he saved 15 people. But he gave his life. That's mission. He rescued because he was rescued somewhere inside. He knew who he was. And he could give himself. Unless you get out of your security zone into mission, you can't be a blessing. You can be self-centered. You can be filled with yourself. But you can't be a blessing. God got out in a radical way. We can get out. So many of our people in our culture are drowning from small ambitions. I want to be the president of the United States. That's a small ambition. I want to save the world. That's a big ambition. We're smothering in smallness of lives. I'm thinking what I want, aha, a better resume, another degree. But I do want God, and that's first. So when we pray, we don't pray to get things from God. We pray to get God, more of God. Have you ever had gulps of God? You talk about big gulp. It's amazing. I've had gulps of God. You go, oh, God! Wow! I have it sometimes in front of the Blessed Sacrament in my postinia. I get a gulp of God, and it actually physically hurts my heart. Just, oh, wow, wow, wow. I said, Jesus, I'll get cover you up for a minute. Thanks. I can't take it. So I get out of my postinia. It's the middle of the, it's the middle of the, Siberian winter and the stars, you can reach up there and touch the stars. And I get a gulp of God from there. He's gulped everywhere. You can gulp him everywhere. And when it happens, your heart changes. And you say he's real. And I can't play around with God. I can't make God part of my agenda. I have to make God my agenda. I can't make God part of my schedule. I have to get God my schedule. It's, it changes you. You meet God from concept to reality. Concept God? He's kind of your secretary. He's your butler. You see this sheet of paper? This sheet of paper was the distance from the earth to the sun. It's 92 million miles, this piece of paper. Now, from the sun to the next star, you would have 70 feet of this paper, 92 million miles, 70 feet high. The size of our galaxy from one side of the galaxy to the other, if you had this paper, 90 mil, 92 million miles, packed is 307 miles high from one side of our galaxy to the other side of the galaxy. And our galaxy in the universe we know is a speck of dust. And Hebrew says about Jesus that he holds the universe in his pinky, the word of his mouth, <laughs> translated pinky. And that's not somebody you go to for advice. 
that somebody go to for salvation. That's the God we have. Faith and Reason Podcasts. New media for the new evangelization from Franciscan University of Steubenville. Find more at faithandreason.com.